name is Adrian Cartland, I'm the Principal of Cartland Law, and today I'm going to be talking about discretionary trusts. So a discretionary trust is a business structure whereby one person, the trustee, holds assets for the benefit of a class of beneficiaries. So we would typically have a company trustee, and uh, so there's often confusion as to someone, as to whether they have a company or that, that runs a business or whether it's their trust. Here, it is the company that's running the business as trustee of the trust. So for simplicity, I'm gonna call this a trust. But note you have two things. You have a trust deed, which will establish the trust, and then you have a separate company. And together, they kind of make a trust, okay? So I'm gonna call this a trust, even though it makes is made up of two. And then the trust will run the business itself. Now let's go through the pieces of the trust. First of all, there is the trustee, which runs things from day to day. Now you can have a company trustee, which, which is the usual thing when you're running a business that has some risk. If you're holding passive assets, say for an example, an investment property, or you're owning shares, then you might use an individual but we're talking about business structures, so you would almost always have a company trustee unless you have, yeah, you almost always have a company trustee. So that's what the trustee, there is an appointor, the appointor is the person who has the power to appoint or remove the trustee. Now they're sometimes thought of as the controller of the trust. Now I'm not going to say that they are always the controller, but for practical purposes, most people will consider that they are, as the appointor is the like hidden controller of the trust. The settlor is the person who uh, gives $10 or promise to pay $10 to the trustee, um, and that establishes the trust. They then do nothing else. The settlor should be your uh, accountant, um, a you know, financial planner, your lawyer, or a, a friend who is unrelated to you and they will sign a set more, they have no liability, they have no um, access to the assets, they do no further things. Um, so there, it's a nominal thing, there's a bunch of reasons why this happens in Australia, it's not very common in other jurisdictions to have such a, no, a, um, a notional set law. Just, just uh, take my explanation that that is what they do, they do nothing else, and they're gone. Now your primary beneficiaries for most people will be husband and wife. Um, they'll be written in there. If you've got adult children, you might expressly state who they are. They are the person around who is defined a class of beneficiaries. Now a discretionary trust, a family trust, also known as, they don't have a particular person that owns this. Um, it is more that they are considered each year now it's kind of a complex thing. The trustee will make a determination as to who gets the money, uh, income, assets at the end of every year. Um, what that means practically is that you have asset protection and there are two types of asset protection that we get this way. One, if the business goes bust. If the business goes bust because there is a whole bunch of debts, there, uh, 
there is uh, you know, low sales, you get some unexpected tax, um, then the, the liabilities of the business will go to the trustee, will generally be a $2 company, and it won't go any further. Now, there are some times when it will go beyond that. For example, for if you don't pay GST or PAOIG or, or superannuation, then you could get a director penalty notice, in which case you need to put the company into liquidation and make sure that all of its bases have been lodged up to date. But besides some limited circumstances, for most of your general business debts, by using a family trust, it means that if the business goes bust, you're gonna put the company into liquidation and that's it. And so your personal assets, the beneficiary's assets are, um, are saved. Um, and so you will be the director of the trustee, you're controlling it, but there is separation there. Um, there's also, that's the limited liability, but there is asset protection the other way, just for say for some reason you're a professional or, or you've got some other business interests and you get sued, you don't actually own anything in the family trust, which means that um, you uh, that the assets of the family trust, say the business, or perhaps some other passive assets, say um, you know we've got some investment properties, they are separate. So if you went bankrupt, these assets are safe. So there's there's two types of asset protection: protection um, if the business goes under keeps your personal assets safe. If you go under, the business assets are safe. Uh, so a dis the use of a discretionary trust is a key piece of asset protection in Australia. Um, now, you'll, uh, for the, the trustee, they have nominal duties. They will generally be the director and the share shareholder. You can change your trustees over time. Um, now the trustee will determine where the income of the trust goes. So this is your next advantage is you have income streaming, which means that what, you do, what your accountant is going to pick at the end of the year, every, um, who to send your income to, um, who is on the most advantageous tax rate. So if uh, you've got a, another business and, uh, or some other job and you're earning $200,000 a year, but your partner is um, earning $20,000 a year, and it was their stay-at-home husband, then they can um, uh, have all the income distributed to them. So basically your accountant is gonna choose that. If you're gonna be earning more than say, as a rough figure, 80 grand a year, you're gonna, you, it might be useful to start considering um, um, income distributions. On the other hand, like in, in fact, if you're earning any small amount of money, you know, um, you uh, will be able to distribute it to the person who is most advantageous. Perhaps if you're both earning uh, no income, then you could get no at the lowest tax rate, which is zero. So you can change this from year to year, uh, so which is hugely beneficial. And you could also potentially access the corporate tax rate. So I say, I've got a question mark by this, because it's not automatic, you would need another company you shouldn't distribute to your trustee company some people do but you probably shouldn't for some trust law reasons um, and this means that you get the, um, the corporate tax rate of 27 and a half percent by that company is is running a, a business of some sort um, 
So if it's receiving trust distributions, then we can lock in that corporate tax rate. Now, whether they get paid across or there is some other accounting, um, dealing with those distributions is uh, another day's discussion. Um, but you can access it. There's just often uh, a couple of tricks. So our other benefits is you can get the 50% capital gains tax discount. Now, this is a really important thing. If you sell your business or you have some, you know, a house or property um, shares in the family trust and you sell those, you can reduce the capital gains uh, by half. You might also be able to access the small business CGT concessions. And I say might because there are some fine uh, tricks in here that uh, your access to them will depend on um, where you have distributed your income over time um, and um, what the business has been doing. It's a little bit more complex, but they can be accessed. So I would overall put this as an advantage. They can be accessed. Now, what are the disadvantages of a discretionary trust, a family trust? So one, there is some setup costs. Uh, well, depending on where you get it from, it might cost a thousand or so dollars from your accountant. Um, we set them up for $150 online through Alira or from cartlandlaw.com. Now, alternative, uh, you're going to generally want to pay for a company as well. So you get that um, liability. There's a $460 um, ASIC fee plus uh, generally $150 for incorporating. Um, or you might pay you know, a thousand or more dollars uh, at retail price. Um, so there is that, there are ongoing accounting costs. So uh, your our accountant's going to need to pay, you know, going to need to draw separate tax returns for this, a little bit more complex. Generally, if you're running a business though, it's not going to be a big issue. Um, I just want to contrast that if you're a sole trader, it's really simple. And you're going to have like the simplest tax costs. This is a little bit more. It's not huge. Most people have discretionary trusts and when they're running a business. Um, multiple persons is a disadvantage. Because you've got, you know, you've got a director shareholder is going to be controlling the trustee. You're going to have your pointer uh, is the person who, um, who controls this. If you want to bring someone else in there, there is just this one, one family trust. You can't have a share of it. Well, uh, not, in a, not in a standard way at least. So there are some complex things that you could do to bring multiple people in, but it's, you know, it's not common. So it would be typically seen as difficult to have multiple people in there as opposed to say a partnership or a company or a unit trust. Uh, similarly, if you want to transfer the discretionary trust, I mean, you can pass it on to your children by um, changing, you know, uh, leaving the, uh, Sharehold the shares in your will, or um, changing your pointorship, or perhaps um, having a letter of wishes or a wills direction or something else like that um, that controls things through the trustee or a request to the trustee. It's a little bit more complex. You've got to pay attention to it. And so I'm going to put again a transfer of a discretionary trust as a disadvantage. Um, it's something that people will commonly stuff up. And uh, a final difficulty with a discretionary trust is that it um, doesn't get the research and development tax credit. So if you want to get the research and development tax credit for running a tech company, uh, tech business, you need to have a company. So 
Um, a discretionary trust by itself can get these disadvantages. On the other hand, um, the asset protection, limited liability, um, these are core pieces of asset structuring. Um, when you're going, in, if you've got a more complex state of affairs, you're having a successful business, you will almost inevitably have a discretionary trust somewhere. If you want to run your entire business through a discretionary trust, the ideal businesses for that are uh, ones that you will, when you look at the total number of beneficiaries there are, that you're going to put them on a, uh, a tax rate that's more advantageous compared to a company. Um, you can get the corporate tax rate, but it's a little bit more complex, uh, and um, you're not going to uh, want to bring in a, a bunch of other parties. So. Uh, for uh, most small businesses, this is a fantastic uh, structure. Um, for most larger businesses, this is a fantastic uh, piece of a larger structure. Thank you very much. My name is Adrian Cartland, the principal of Cartland Law.